You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. We want to welcome our Fenwick Island campus. Would you give our Fenwick Island campus a big hand now? We welcome Fenwick Island with us right now and our online family and also WGMD Radio. And we're so grateful that you're with us this weekend as we're studying uh, a series called Whisper, How to Hear God. This is our second uh, installment of this series where we're talking about how we can hear the Lord speak to us. And that's the most important thing in our Christian journey is how to hear the Lord speak to us. And I was uh, thinking about one of the great moments in church history was when St. Augustine, he wasn't St. Augustine yet, but when he uh, was converted, St. Augustine, early 5th century, uh, and he was a, just a promiscuous guy. Uh, if you ever read St. Augustine's Confessions, he was, a, he was just a wild, adulterous, kind of promiscuous man. And his mother, Monica, was constantly praying for him, praying for uh, Augustine to come to Christ. She was a believer. And Augustine moved to uh, Italy, and he was living in Rome, and he went uh, to Milan to hear Ambrose, the great Bishop Ambrose, who was a great communicator. And Augustine went there not simply to, uh, you know, he wasn't really interested in the gospel, but Ambrose was such a great communicator that Augustine went to learn about how to be a better orator. And so he begins to hear the gospel through, uh, through Ambrose. And then one day, Augustine is sitting in a garden. And as he's sitting in the garden, he hears a voice, and the voice is, take up and read, take up and read, take up and read. It's in the voice of a child. And he looks around, and he doesn't see any children around, and he doesn't even understand what that phrase means. But he took that as a word from the Lord, and he opened the Bible. And as he opened the Bible, he actually had begun to read the New Testament, and he opened it to the book of Romans. And the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 13 and 14, said, Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy, rather clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your flesh. And when Augustine read that, those verses succinctly described his life. And he repented of his sin and he put his faith in Jesus and began to follow Jesus. And St. Augustine became the greatest theologian since the Apostle Paul and God worked in his life. But it all began with a word where he heard the Lord speak to him. And one of the things that we see, we talked about this last time, uh, is one of the things that we see in the Bible is God is constantly conversing with people. He's constantly talking to people. There's no such thing in the pages of Scripture where God is silent. God is interactive. He's an interactive God where he's talking to Abraham, he's talking to Isaac, he's talking to Joseph, he's talking to Paul, he's talking to all the people that followed him. Uh, There's this constant conversing going on. So today I want to talk more about this, how we can hear the Lord as we build this foundation. So Today I want to talk, first of all, about the elitist principle, the elitist principle. Now, what I mean by the elitist principle is I think sometimes we think that God only talks to pastors or people in the ministry. 
And, and I think sometimes, you know, you go to church and you hear the pastor say the Lord told him this, the Lord spoke to him, and he said this to him, and uh, you, you kind of get the idea that it's just the pastor that God talks to. And when I think about that whole concept of the elitist principle that God just talks to pastors, that is actually heresy. Because one of the things that happened in the Reformation, uh, Martin Luther, 1517, with the beginning of the Reformation, is that Martin Luther started this thing called the priesthood of all believers. The priesthood of all believers. Because before Martin Luther's time, the idea was, is the priests were, were the ones that communicated with God. You couldn't even read the Bible yourself. If they had a, 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 the Vulgate, the Latin version of the Bible, chained to the pulpit in those great cathedrals in Europe. And people couldn't even read the Bible. So the idea was, is you go to church and you hear what the priest says. And Martin Luther said, that's absolutely wrong. Because God speaks to everyone. God speaks to everyone. And so today I want to talk a little bit about this idea that God is a God who speaks not just to spiritual leaders, but God speaks to people everywhere. Now, can you imagine having, uh, you know, a, a two or three children and you only spoke to one of those children? Just say you have three kids and they're all about the same age and you just singled out one child. You, you just talked to Johnny. And Susie and Matthew, you didn't talk to at all. And that would be absolutely crazy because a, a father uh, who loves his children is going to converse with all of the children that he has. Now, when you think about your position, you are a child of God. You have been uh, born again by the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus, Jesus has come into your life and you are a son or daughter of the living God. And can you imagine having a father who never talks to you? When my kids come to our house, you know, occasionally, you know, they're, they're successful and they're doing good in life. And you know you've done good as a parent if your kids don't need you anymore. And uh, our kids do not need us anymore. They don't need us financially. They have their own life. We have to beg them to come over, you know. Please come over and see us. You know, we're get, we, we make up illnesses like we're on our deathbed just to get them to come over and see us. And, uh, but when they come over, uh, I just love talking to my sons. And I love talking to my daughter-in-laws. And I love talking to my grandkids. Thanksgiving, our grandkids came over. And little Nixon came over. He was all slicked down, had his hair all slicked down, had his jean jacket on, looked like he was 21, going on 25, you know. And uh, he came in, has a little, little book. He has a little journal he's been writing in. And I don't even understand why he's doing that. But anyhow, he just sit in a chair, sat in a chair you know, there in the living room. And Nixon is, you know, he's very uh, outgoing, but he's a little shy when he doesn't know people very well. And we had all these new people at the house on Thanksgiving. He's kind of sitting there kind of shy. So I pulled up the chair next to Nixon and I just talked to him. And I just was like, I just love talking to him. I, I just was so excited about him coming all day that uh, I couldn't wait to talk to him. And when you think about God, God is a God who communicates to all of his kids, not just some of his kids. And it's not, if you, if we think that God just talks to the pastor and that God has that kind of uh, paradigm, then, then we're really missing what the new covenant is all about. The new covenant is about, it says in the book of Jeremiah, that the day is coming when they will all know me, says the Lord, from the least of them to the greatest. I remember uh, one of my favorite pictures in church history is the picture of John F. Kennedy. He was the youngest president ever uh, elected to office, uh, 43 years old. He wasn't the youngest president 
to become president. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt was 42 when he became president, but he became president uh, as a result of the, his, the president before him being uh, assassinated. He was vice president. But the elected, the earliest or the youngest uh, president elected was John F. Kennedy at 43 years old. Uh, Bill Clinton was 46 years old, for instance. Uh, Joe Biden was 78 when he was elected. So there's a whole different you know, spread there. But anyhow, when, when uh, John F. Kennedy was elected, uh, he had all these young children. Uh, and he had, had, uh, he had John and he had Caroline. And there was these pictures when he was the president of the kids in the Oval Office, playing in the Oval Office. And we have a picture of little Johnny under the, under the, uh, the president's desk. We have a picture of the kids dancing in the Oval Office. And, and we see this, this wonderful picture of these kids who had access into the Oval Office because they were, they were sons and daughters of the President of the United States. And it says in the book of Hebrews that we can come boldly to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. How many know that you and I can come boldly into God's presence because we are now children of the living God. And so we have full access. So it's not like the elitist principle says that God only talks to pastors, God he only talks to his spiritual leaders, and sometimes when we listen to pastors and we listen to teachers of the word and we listen to people on TV, they're teaching the Bible, we get the idea that those are the people, those are the people that the Lord speaks to. Uh, and we just got to take this, this second you know, level of word as we get it through them. But I'm here to tell you the Bible teaches, the New Testament teaches, the New Covenant teaches that you, you are a recipient of God's presence and a recipient of God's word. So you can personally hear God's voice. You can personally hear God's voice. Um, now, I don't know if you've ever flown first class. How many here have ever flown first class. Just raise your hand. Look at that. Look at you guys. That's amazing. I just think that's incredible. I have never flown first class. One of these days I'm going to fly first class. You know, I'm going to take the little puddle jumper from Salisbury to Philadelphia. There isn't a first class on that little puddle jumper. There's, that's a no class airplane is what that is. <laughs> but we sometimes we think, you know, first class, you get everybody in first class and they're sitting up there and then you got people on coach. And we think that the preachers and the pastors and the elders of the church, they're in first class. God's speaking to them, but we're in coach. And uh, the Bible teaches that that is absolutely not right at all. That's not correct at all. Let me read to you a great verse. Uh, there's a whole bunch I could read, but how about this one? John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28. John 10, 27 and 28. These are the words of Jesus. My sheep. Not my shepherds. Now, in the New Testament, the term, the word pastor, by the way, in the New Testament only used one time. The real uh, term for spiritual leaders, you know, and governmentally in the church are elders uh, or, uh, you know, or shepherds. Shepherds is a metaphor for a pastor. It doesn't say, my shepherds listen to my voice. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I want you to say this with right now. I am a sheep and God talks to sheep. So when we look at the New Testament, the New Testament teaches this conversive relationship that God himself speaks to us as sheep. My sheep 
listen to my voice. I know them, they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That second verse talks about us being securely in the hands of God and that we are securely in his hands and he keeps us and he protects us and he watches over us. And those are words of security. When you hear the Lord speak to you, you feel secure. My sheep hear my voice and no man shall pluck them out of my hand. The following verse speaks about security. Now I was, uh, this morning I was sitting in my office getting ready for this message and I was, uh, uh, you know, praying and reading over my notes a little bit and just getting ready early in the morning and had my coffee there, had my Starbucks coffee. I need Jesus and coffee in the morning. That's what I need. I need Jesus and coffee. So I had my Starbucks coffee and I'm sitting there and I was feeling, I was just, you know, I had that thought, oh, is it my, am I going to do okay today teaching the word? How's that going to go? And, and am I ready for this? I got all these verses. Oh, I, ha- oh, I, oh, I always have too many verses. And I heard the Lord just say something to me, just as, not, as a, not as a preacher, not about the message, but about me as his follower. And here's what the Lord said to me this morning. This is my little voice from the Lord in my spirit this morning. He said, it only matters what I think. It only matters what I think. And boy, when I heard that, you know what happened to me when I heard that little voice? I wasn't like asking God to speak to me. I was just thinking about the day and, and what I had to do. And I'm just like there with my, 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 the Bible before me and I'm in the office by myself. And I just heard the Lord say, uh, it only matters what I think today. It only matters what I think today. How many know if we lived that way, if we lived under the understanding that it only matters what God thinks of us, it would liberate us. And it liberated me. I want you to just say that with me this morning. It only matters what God thinks about you. Let me ask you a question. How many have ever worried about what everybody else thought about you? Have ever worried about, how many have ever worried, like, what do they think? And what are they saying about me? And are they, you know, all that. So we all, as human beings, go through that. But the Bible says this. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they shall follow me. So here's the thing. If God loves you, God will communicate with you. If God loves you, God will communicate with you. And we know that the Lord loves you. We know the Lord cares about you. Uh, It's undisputable that God loves you personally. You are one of his sheep. You belong to him and he loves you. And where you have love, you will have communication. When I saw little Nixon on Thanksgiving Day sitting down there with his hair all slicked back and that little shy you know, expression on his face holding his little journal there, I, I love that little boy so much, I sat down and I began to talk to him, ask him how he was doing in school, which he didn't care anything about, and I asked him about you know, what he did that day, and I was talking to him because I love him. And if God loves you, and he does love you, then you can expect that he will speak to you. Like this morning when I was sitting there, God loves me. He knew I was feeling a little anxious. I had a busy week and was feeling a little anxious. And he just said that little thing to me, uh, it only matters what I think. It only matters what I think. And you know why he said that to me? Because he loves me. 
And that's an incredible thing. I have a good friend, uh, Mike Bailey, one of, my, one of my best friends. I met Mike in Bible college, and uh, Mike and I are very, very good friends. And uh, Mike has a son named Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Bailey. And uh, there's a picture of Matt and his family. And Matt, Matt and my son Tim were born the same week in the same hospital, Sacred Heart Hospital in Pensacola, Florida. And they both had medical issues when they were born. They were both in intensive care at the same time. And, uh, and it's interesting. We have all these connections. But Matt, when Matt was growing up, Matt Bailey, Mike's little boy, he was the quietest boy, quietest boy I had ever been around in my life. I, I didn't thought maybe it was mute. He couldn't talk. I, I, he was, that boy was so quiet. He was so introverted, uh, and he hardly said anything. And uh, he would make these little non sequiturs, and he would kind of grunt a little bit, but he hardly said anything. And, uh, but Mike was telling me about Matt one time, Matt went to Penn State University, got an engineering degree. He went to Penn State, a real bright kid, but he was so reticent, so quiet. And Mike said that Matt came home from college uh, one semester and he was up in his bedroom and, and Mike could hear, uh, could hear Matt talking. And he said, Matt was just talking, 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 talking. And he said he had never heard Matt talk that much in his whole life. And Matt talked on the phone for an hour and a half, an hour and a half. This little boy who ever said anything. And Matt was talking to Anita, a girl he had met at college at Penn State. And we saw a picture of them. They eventually got married. And, uh, and, and here's what my friend Mike said to Anita, who eventually became his daughter-in-law. He said, you got Matt to talk more in an hour and a half than we got Matt to talk in his whole life. <laughs> and why was Matt talking so much? Because it was in love. And if God loves you, and if God cares about you, you can expect him to talk to you. And uh, you, can, you are his sheep. You belong to him. He's given you spiritual ears to hear him. And so we just need to begin to expect, begin to anticipate God speaking to us in a fresh way. So just say this with me before we go to our next point. Say this, because God loves me, he will speak to me. And let's quote John 10, 27. My sheep hear my voice. One more time. My sheep hear my voice. So how does God speak to us? How does God speak to us? Well, there's, we're going to be talking about that the next couple of weeks. But how does God speak to us? One of the ways that God speaks to us is he whispers to us. And we find this in, uh, in, in the book of Kings, 1 Kings 19, 9 through 18. And we see where God speaks to Elijah. Now, interesting, Elijah was this great prophet in the, uh, in the Old Testament. He confronted Ahab and Jezebel uh, because they had turned the nation toward worship, worship worshiping Baal and 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 remember Elijah had killed all the prophets of Baal 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel and then Jezebel Jezebel says to Elijah uh, be it unto me by the gods tomorrow if I don't make you like one of the prophets before the end of the day 
or the end of the, end of tomorrow, uh, tomorrow. And what Elijah heard from Jezebel was a word of threatening that she was going to kill him for killing the prophets of Baal. And and it says in First uh, Kings nineteen, uh, verse one through five. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with a sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger. To Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And then it says in verse 3, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And one of the things I want to talk about, just real quickly before we get to the main point of this passage, is that when we're listening to everything that's going on in culture, it's like listening to Jezebel. Uh, Elijah listened to Jezebel. And because he heard that voice, it produced fear in him and anxiety. And one of the things I said last week that the Lord's teaching me as I'm learning to walk with the Lord and hear the Lord's voice is when you hear the voice of the Lord, it eliminates anxiety. But when you're listening to the voices of culture, when you're listening simply to what you hear on the news, if, when you're listening simply to all the bad news you hear on Facebook, when you're listening to that voice, you're listening to the voice of Jezebel and it's producing fear and anxiety in you. What we are good at in our culture is listening to every other voice other than listening to the voice of God. Now, we need to be well-informed. We need to know what's going on. We don't want to be an ostrich, but you want to get the news, get what you need to know. But in the midst of all that, you need to hear the voice of God because when you hear the voice of God, it eliminates anxiety. It eliminates fear. It eliminates uh, stress. It gives you peace where you can walk in confidence in life. And that's what the Lord wants to do in us. There's a great quote. Here's a quote by a Spanish philosopher by the name of Jose Ortega Gasset. He said, tell me what you pay attention to what you pay attention and I will tell you who you are. You will eventually be shaped in the image of the loudest voice in your life, the voice you listen to the most. So we need to listen to the Lord in a fresh way, in a fresh way. And so let's look at how the Lord spoke to Elijah. Elijah runs for his life. He runs about 200 miles away, ends up down at Mount uh, Horeb or Mount Sinai. And as he's down there, it says in, uh, in verse 11, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood on the mouth uh, out and and stood at the mouth of the cave then the voice said to him what are you doing here Elijah and then the Lord gives Elijah directions so a couple things here first of all uh, Elijah was expecting to hear God in the dramatic Uh, earthquake fire uh, the wind and here's what Elijah was Elijah 
was a man who loved power. He liked power. In fact, right before this passage, in the chapter before this, he calls down fire from heaven on Mount Carmel, and he likes fire. He likes power. He likes the dramatic. And I want to just say this to you this morning. God is a God who does dramatic things. He is a God who does powerful things. But I grew up in a culture, a Christian culture, where we were really enamored with the power of God. What God could do by power, you know, and we were all about the power of God. And Elijah was about the power of God. And if you are a person that's enamored with the power of God, you are fixated on the hand of God and not the face of God. Elijah was enamored with the power of God, what God could do with his hands and his power, but he did not know the Lord like he needed to. And so the Lord spoke to him in a gentle way whisper a gentle whisper now here's the thing about a when somebody whispers when somebody whispers and they talk real quiet one of the things about that is you have to get really close to them to hear what they're saying I mean you have to lean in and why does God whisper God whispers so that we have to pull our chair up And we have to get closer and we have to get right near him in order to hear what he's saying. And the goal of hearing God is not simply to get direction. The goal of hearing God is not simply to know what to do in life and that's part of it. But the goal of hearing God is to draw near to God in the whisper. It's the adventure of being close to God that really matters. So that's what is so important about this whole concept of whispering. Mark Batterson says, says in his book, Whisper, he says when, he, when his kids were little, he would, he would play this little game with them where he would speak real softly and real gently and really almost inaudibly, and they would get real close to him to hear what dad was saying, and as soon as they got real close to him, he would grab them and he would hug them and he would tickle And sometimes God whispers. We're having trouble hearing God, so we have to seek him more. We have to draw near to him more. We have to get on our face, and we have to get on our knees, and we have to, you know, sit uh, in the park and listen to the Lord. And while we're trying to get direction from God, he is whispering so we get closer to him. So the goal of hearing God is not simply to get direction, but it's to get close to our Father, Karen and I, every once in a while, we go to Lancaster to get away. I think if you live around here, you know, the go-to place, you know, is to go to Lancaster. You know, when you, you know, we like to go other places and all that, but how many have ever gone to Lancaster for a day or two? That's just where we go when we live around here. You know, it's close by. And uh, so Karen and I, you know, every once in a while, you know, we're just like, had it, you need to get out of town. You know, it's nothing like seeing your, your town in the rearview mirror. You know, isn't that amazing? Just getting out of town. And so every once in a while we'll go to Lancaster and we like to go to Burdenhand restaurant. There's a little uh, dinner theater there in the bottom, you know, that we go to these little dinner theater shows. We go to Sight and Sound. We go to the American Theater sometime. We went up there a few years ago to hear Three Dog Night uh, in concert. And those some old dogs, I have to tell you that. They were old dogs. <laughs> the lead singer got down and I didn't think he was ever going to get back up. I mean, <laughs> but we go to Lancaster we get some shoe fly pie. We like to go and hang out and have a good time. But you know what it's all about? 
It's not about Lancaster. It's about the ride up there. It's about riding on 896, looking at all those Amish farms. It's about me reaching over and taking Karen's hand, and us talking about our kids and our grandkids, and how our kids aren't raising our grandkids right. Talking about that kind of stuff. It's talking about life, talking about what we're going to do, talking about our future. So the goal is not Lancaster. The goal is the ride to Lancaster. And the goal is not who am I supposed to marry or where am I supposed to work. The goal is the process of being close to a God who loves us. That's why God whispers. God whispers. So we have to get close to him. It says in the book of James, James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You know, I, used, I played tennis and uh, back to playing tennis after my knee surgery, uh, which I'd love to tell you about. Sometime you want to sit, I'll talk to you about my knee for years, you know. Um, but I'm back playing tennis. When I played, I've been playing tennis for one guy I've been playing for 13 years. Uh, and um, when I was a little bit younger, for me, tennis was always about winning, playing matches, winning, winning. And I wanted to win and wanted, I was very competitive and I wanted to make the other guy cry on the way home, wondering if he was a real man. You know, I wanted that to happen, you know. Uh, but, you know, now I, I want to play well. I want to do good. But, you know, what I've discovered is tennis is not really about winning anymore tennis is about the people that I meet while I'm playing tennis and when you think about the Lord it's it's about getting to know him say say this way the main goal of hearing God is get to know God and that's incredible incredible to do that well let me just a couple more minutes here let me talk a little bit about how to how do we hear the Lord? How do we hear the Lord? And, and how, can we, how can we do that? And uh, here's a couple little things. Uh, here's, here's how. When does God speak to us? When does God speak to us? First thing, God speaks to us when we get still. God speaks to us when we get still. Psalm 46.10, he says, be still and know that I'm God. He says, be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Blaise Pascal says this. Blaise Pascal says, the sole cause of man's unhappiness is that he does not know how to stay quietly in his room. And one of the things I think that is plaguing our culture and plaguing all of us is that we, we cannot be unoccupied. We have to have something going on all the time. We have to, we have, to have our phone. I was watching someone the other day at, the, at a restaurant and they had their smartphone out and they were just the whole time looking through those texts, looking through the Facebook and then I saw across the room another person and their minds are occupied, looking at everything. We need to be stimulated. We need, we need all the stimuli. And I think that that mode of living has the capacity to stop our ears from hearing the Lord because it says we have to be still, not simply still in body, 
but still in mind, where we begin to get quiet before the Lord. We sit and we're not, we don't have to have our phone there. We don't have to have the TV on. We don't have to have, we just are sitting and we're quiet before the Lord. Like yesterday, I took a walk. It was kind of cold yesterday. I'd been working in, uh, the, the, working in my barn and my little pole barn and all that. I was working in there. And uh, after I got done doing that, I took a walk. And uh, I didn't have my cell phone on, didn't, wasn't listening to any music, just had my stick. And I'm walking and just listening, listening to the Lord. Say this way, be still and know that I'm God. When does God speak to us? When we're still. When did Moses hear the Lord? When did he hear the Lord? He heard the Lord when he was on the backside of the desert, away from the camp. He was out on the backside of the desert tending the sheep, and he was away from everything. And there he saw the bush where the Lord spoke to him. God speaks to us when we get still. When we get still. Now, I... Uh, Karen and I went out to eat the other day. We went to uh, the new agave restaurant. I think we got a picture of the agave restaurant. Anybody eaten at the new agave restaurant yet? It's absolutely amazing. It was incredible. Uh, we're still making payments for the bill. It was, but it's really, <laughs> it's really, really good. And I think we'll have the last payments next year in April, but it was great. But you know what? We had a great waiter, uh, waitress. She did a good job and all that. But here's, a, here's, a, here's the deal uh, about a good, a good waitress. Uh, or a waiter when you go you know when I go to get something when I go out to eat uh, I always always get water you know I don't want to drink my calories so I get water and uh, and what I really appreciate about a good waitress or waiter is they're tuned in to the water and they tuned into the drink how many have ever got a drink and that, that waiter or waitress just, has, has, Elvis has left the building. I mean, they are not paying attention. And you're thirsty. You're going to other tables, getting water off other people's tables. You're thirsty. And she's completely, or he's completely forgotten about you. How many of this ever happened to you? I mean, it's just, it's annoying, isn't it? But I tell you, I love when you go to, I was at, we were at a restaurant the other day. I don't know if it was Big Fish, where it was. It was so good. The waitress, she was all over the, I mean, she had all these tables. But boy, when she saw my water down, I drink a lot of water when I'm eating. uh, And she, boy, she was right there, more water. And I just loved it. You know, when when you just imagine, you got your cup. Now, this is not a cup that you like you'd have in a restaurant. But just imagine you got your cup and you're out of water. You're out of water at the table. And, you know. And the waiter or waitress comes by to refill your water or refill your iced tea. And you hold up the glass and you start moving it around. (laughs) And she's like trying to get it in there. And you're like moving it around everywhere. And she's, you know, and she can't get it in there. You know what? I just make sure it's real still. When she's putting that water in there, he's putting that water in there. And you know God can do anything he wants to. But I wonder if he can really speak to us when we're like this. I think God wants us to be still so he can speak to us. And if there was ever a time in the history of our country, if there was ever a time that we as God's people 
need to hear a voice from the Lord instead of the voice of Jezebel, it's now. We need to listen. We need to get still. And I'm here to tell you all the fear that we have, all the fear and all the COVID stuff and all the stuff, and we got to be smart about all that. I'm not suggesting we shouldn't be smart. But all the stuff going around, we need to be people that get still before the Lord. And though things are happening all around us, we have heard the Lord. And because we've heard the Lord, we have confidence. And it says in Psalm 46, be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know that I'm God. So how does God speak to us? He speaks to us when we get still. Turn the phone off. I mean, turn it off. Put it in a drawer. Turn the TV off. Sit out on the deck and wrap up in the cold and and look at the stars. Look at the stars that God made. And get still so he can pour a word in your heart. We've got to be intentional about hearing the Lord. We've got to be intentional about hearing the Lord. Years ago, my my brother-in-law, Vernon, and Barbara, who are here today celebrating their anniversary. Years ago, Vernon had had a little beagle dog named Applejack and... uh, and Vernon loved his dog, Applejack. Vernon loves his dogs, period. But he, little Applejack, he loved Applejack. And I don't know if you've ever had a beagle, but beagles have a wandering spirit about them. They just wander. And Applejack got lost, and he just took off, and Vernon couldn't find Applejack. And Vernon loves Barbara, loves the kids, but he loves Applejack. You know what I mean? And uh, couldn't find Applejack. And so he finally called the SPCA. And in Georgetown said, you, you got a little beagle, had a little, I remember uh, Applejack had little tan marks on him, wasn't dark, wasn't dark uh, marks on him as a beagle, but little tan marks. And he described Applejack and said, no, we don't have him. And that was on like a Friday or Saturday, I think it was on a Saturday, and they were closed on Sunday. But Vernon thought, well, maybe they do have Applejack. Maybe they do have Applejack. And maybe they're wrong, and he just wanted to find Applejack. So he rides all the way from Seaford over to Georgetown. And he comes out on 113 there where the SPCA is, pulls his truck in there. And he walks up to the chain link fence. And he's listening to the barking of the dogs. And as he's listening, he hears the bark of Applejack. He's got his ear against the chain link fence. He's not moving. He's listening. And he hears Applejack barking. So he comes back Monday, goes in there, and there's Applejack. Now, I want you to know that God is not a beagle dog. That's not the theology (laughs) that I'm suggesting here. But if Vernon had just been riding up down 113, rolled the window down, tried to hear something when he went by that he never heard him. It's only when he got still, only when he got close, that he could hear that dog barking. And I believe the Lord is calling you, he's calling you, he's calling you, he's calling me, he's calling us to get still.
In a world of chaos, in a world of turmoil, in a world of crazy confusion, he's going to give his people a word that's in their heart that they will be strong, that they won't be filled with fear, that they won't be filled with anxiety, but they'll have the word of the Lord and the confidence of the Lord, and they'll be able to move into a future in a positive way because they have heard the Lord. And we can hear the Lord. We can hear the Lord. I want to ask you just to lift your hands to the Lord just for a moment at the end of the service. Uh, Corey and the band's going to come and we're going to sing one more song, but just lift your hands to the Lord. And I want you to repent of your busyness, repent of your, your franticness. Just say, Lord, I repent of being so frantic. I'm running around trying to do all this stuff and I'm not hearing you. Lord, slow us down. Help us to hear you. God, you want to speak to normal people. You want to speak to plumbers and lawyers, and you want to speak to teachers, and you want to speak to people that are driving buses. You want to speak to normal people, not just people in the pulpit, not just priests, but you want to speak to all of us because we're your sheep. And we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to hear you. And as we hear you, we know we're going to have confidence. We're going to have confidence that's unspeakable. We're going to be, people around us are going to be filled with fear, but we're not going to be filled with fear. People around us are going to be confused, but we're not going to be confused. People around us are not going to have peace, they're not going to have joy, but we are going to have peace and joy because we belong to you. So we pray, God, that you'll help us to hear you this week. Lord, this is not the word, the, the last word you're going to say to us this week, but Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday as we sit in your presence, you're going to speak to us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Just say this with me. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I know you love me. And say this with me. Because you love me, I know you want to talk to me. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.